Oh my word, are we gonna have a night or what? This is so much fun for me because normally when I preach, it's because Judah's out of town, but this week he is right here. So he gets to experience what I usually have to experience, which is stories about him being told. And baby, I promise you this, to the extent that you have asked me permission to tell my stories, that is how much I have asked your permission to tell your stories. So you can rest at ease. Everything I'm telling about you has been pre-covered to the extent you pre-cover stories about me. So we are gonna have so much fun tonight. I think any good night at church should start with the Bible. And hey, you're going to find out really quick, similar to what Judas, Judas says every week, you're going to find out really quick that I love Jesus. And to me, he's a real person. We have a real relationship. And maybe you came in here tonight, you got tricked into coming and you haven't figured that out yet. Can I just put you at ease? That is okay. Just because you don't know Jesus the way I know him, you are welcome here. And as Judah says every week, the truth is we have way more in common than we do different. So you can just ah, breathe and hopefully we're going to have a good time tonight starting with the Bible. Sound good? Okay, here we go. Romans chapter 6. And I'm going to read it from the message which is going to come up behind me. Starting in verse 22, it says this. But now that you've found, you don't have to listen to sin tell you what to do and have discovered the delight of listening to God telling you. What a surprise. A whole, healed, put-together life right now with more and more life on the way. And I tell you what, when I think about our community and what God is doing in each of us as individuals, I can't imagine anything better than each one of us experiencing this whole healed, put together life with more and more life on the way. And you know, last week in the last week of the six-week journey, I was really impacted as Judah ended it with this thought of Jesus saying, hey, come follow me, come with me. It's not our job to say to God, God, come with me. But God says to us, come with me, and we follow him. And that so impacted me, I actually sat there with a few tears coming down my face thinking, God, I prayed this prayer in high school, I prayed this prayer at 25, and here I am 40, and I'm still praying this prayer, God, I will go with you, but you have to be with me. And so that's a great concept, and it was a great way to end the beautiful six-week journey of faith that we were on. But you know, I want to ask ourselves this question tonight, have you discovered the delight of following Jesus. I love this verse. It starts with this great assumption, right? Like now that we have discovered the delight of listening to what God tells us to do, it's like, really? Have we? Because as far as I'm concerned, it is not human nature to find it delightful to have somebody telling us what to do, right? Not, not normally something that we would call a delight. But this verse says, now that we have discovered the delight of listening to what God tells us to do. And my question in here for every person who has, said, who has said, yes, Jesus, I wanna follow you, is have you discovered that delight? Or maybe you discovered it at one time, but somewhere along the line, it's become a little bit more of a duty, and you're just kind of following God because you feel like it's something you have to do, but maybe it's not a delight. Well, we're gonna look at some verses so that we can answer that question, and my prayer for each one of us tonight is that we could leave this place saying, yes, I have discovered the delight of following Jesus. Sound good? 
All right, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for your word. And God, I pray for every one of us here that you would open up our hearts, that we could find that delight of following you. Lord, I pray that you would custom tailor this talk for every person who is here, that they could hear you speaking to them, not just me. And Jesus, I pray for Judah's heart. Lord, someday help him to get over the Seahawks and find realistic expectations in life in the NFL. In Jesus' name, amen. We are gonna have a night. So question for you tonight, have any of you ever been the victim of a conversation hijack? Like you are in the middle of a conversation with your friend and another friend walks up, does not care what you are talking about and just starts talking about whatever she wants to talk about. Does that happen to anybody in here tonight? Okay, let me give you a little hint. If you're not raising your hand, that means you are the conversation hijacker. <laughs> and you need to become self-aware of that. So that's just a free little pastoral tidbit. But by far, the worst conversation hijackers are proud moms. Come on, you know you have one that you work with. You are in the middle of trying to problem solve something that's happening at work, and Sally from accounting walks over and does not even care what you were talking about. She's like, did you hear that Johnny scored the winning points in basketball? And you're thinking, I didn't even know that you had a son named Johnny or that he plays basketball, and I don't care that he scored the winning points in basketball. Proud moms are the worst. Fair warning. I am a proud mom and I'm about to hijack this whole talk so that I can share with you one of my proudest mom moments. Now, my son did something that barely relates to our talk tonight, but you are all stuck in middle seats and so you don't have any option but to listen into, to me hijacking this awesome conversation and I can brag on my son. Can I, can I brag on him? You don't get a choice, but say yes anyway. Okay, thanks. Um, so two years ago, our middle son, who is a son after his dad's own heart. He is all heart, he is all passion. We tell him he has a gift of passion and we are helping him focus to use his gift of passion on helping people, not hurting people. And by the way, he is here tonight and he gave me permission to tell this story. So you can, you can rest at ease. So what do you do with a son who has a gift of passion who is also very strong? You put him in martial arts. So, and teach him how to hit with even more effectiveness. So we put our son in martial arts, Elliot, and this has happened a couple years ago, and one of his first assignments for martial arts to graduate from a white belt was to write an essay, and the essay is, oh shoot, I forgot my piece of paper. I'll have to read it from the screen. So the essay is why it's important to obey my parents. And I promise you, I did not help him with this essay. He came up with this all on his own. Listen to this. My first reason, I'll try, is that your parents know what's best for you. They just want you to be successful. What I mean is when you move out, you know what to do because they taught you. He says, my second reason is they are trying to protect you. Have you ever asked, can I watch this movie? And your parents say, no, they're just trying to protect you. That is why I obey my parents. Ladies and gentlemen, when I read that, I decided my parenting career should stop right here. 
this is a high, it's never going to get any better, this should just stop. But you know what, it's kept going. And I wish that every time I asked Elliot to clean his room, he said to me, oh, thank you, Mom, so much for teaching me how to succeed in life. And thank you for protecting me from the germs that are going to grow in my room if I don't clean it. I appreciate it. It is such a delight for you to tell me what to do, Mom. We aren't quite there yet, but he's gotten step one of discovering the delight of listening to his parents tell him what to do. At least he knows it at a cognitive level, right? So my question for us tonight is, what did Paul learn who wrote this verse, who says, now that we've discovered the delight of listening to God tell us what to do, what did he learn that he found it delightful to listen to God tell him what to do. So here's what we're going to do. We're just going to take the next 20 or so minutes and we're going to look at a few verses that happen in Romans chapter 6, which is the passage we read from. We read the end of it. Now we're going to jump a few verses previous and we're going to find just this one simple truth that Paul talks about and then two pictures that describe the truth. And hopefully through that, we can discover the delight of listening to God tell us what to do. Sound good? Okay, let me give you a warning first. We're going to look at this truth, but I have to warn you. A truth isn't interesting, or it doesn't really capture your attention, unless there is something about that truth that contradicts an assumption that you've hold. Like if I said, oh, the truth is that the sky is blue, you, you would check out right now and start looking at your phone on Instagram, because you're like, oh, yeah, 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 I already get it. I already know the sky is blue. So this truth that Paul writes, that we're about to read, it contradicts an assumption that every human being makes for our whole life. And that assumption that we all make is this, someday I'm gonna be independent. Someday I am going to get to do whatever I want to do. And the reason I know that we all make this assumption is because I have kids and I was a kid. And do you remember when you were a kid looking at your parents and thinking, oh, they get to do whatever they want to do. They have so much money. They have a car. They can eat candy whenever they want. They can watch whatever movies they want to watch. Oh, my parents are living the life. I cannot wait. When I'm their age, I'm going to eat candy. I'm going to watch all my movies. Come on. Did anybody else think this as a child? I absolutely was convinced of that. My daughter still believes that, who is sitting right here. And then the craziest thing happened. I became a mom. And I watched my kids during summertime. And do you know what I think? Those kids, they have no responsibility. They can sleep in as long as they want. They just get to sit in here all summer. They don't have to worry about bills. They don't have to worry about car insurance. They can eat food and not worry about gaining weight. These kids are living the life. And here I am, now I'm the parent, and I'm realizing I never really found that state of independence. Maybe a glimpse in college, which we'll talk about in a minute. <laughs> and so here we are, and we all hold this assumption, and now it's like, well, maybe, I mean, I gotta be honest, I'm still kind of wrestling with it, thinking, once I have an empty nest, then, whew, I'm gonna be independent. So we all hold that assumption. But listen to what Paul says here in Romans chapter six, and I'm gonna read starting in verse 16, and as I read these three verses, see if you can find the redundancy that is in these verses and the truth that Paul is about to convey that is the core to discovering the delight 
of listening to follow, follow to, of loving following Jesus. This is what he says, verse 16. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, by the way, a little bit of context, this book that was written uh, to the Romans who were living in Rome, at that time because of the conquest of Rome that had taken up up most of Europe and they had brought the conquested people back down, about 30% of the people of Rome were slaves. And so everybody knew the language of slave. Paul, Paul wasn't endorsing slavery. It was just something that was very uh, normal to the people he was writing to. So that's settled. Okay, so do you not know that whoever you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, having become slaves of righteousness. In each verse, in a different way, Paul says over and over again, you are either going to listen to sin tell you what to do, or you are going to listen to what God tells you to do. And here is the truth in this verse that goes against our assumption that we're going to have independence. The truth is this. You will either listen to something or someone tell you what to do. There's a beautiful scholar by Dr. Ralph Winters, and he says it this way. There is no free middle ground where we are independent. We must choose one side or the other. Here we have an either-or situation. Either you're going to be a slave of righteousness and do what Jesus tells you to do, or you're going to be a slave of sin and tell you what sin tells you to do. Okay, that's pretty heavy. That is what we call a typical either-or scenario. You either get this or you get that. Have any of you found yourselves in an either-or either or scenario where you only had one option or the other. I will never forget the beautiful day I got to put Judah in an either or scenario. <laughs> we, as, as you know, we have three kids, Zion's 14, Elliot's 12, and Grace is about to turn 10. So we knew that we were done with three. Three was our max. We were on zone defense, and that was it. And so we decided together, since I had to be pregnant for nine months, I had to push children out, I had to feed children from my body for a year after that, and I did it three times over. We decided that, hey, you know what? Since we're, stop, since we're not going to have any more kids, you, babe, you know what? You can do this one little thing. You can go get the little snip snip that will ensure that we will never have kids again. Oh, yeah, babe, I'm going there. So we make this decision, and six months pass, a year passes, two years pass, a little over two years pass, and one night I had a dream, and every once in a while, about every three months, hey, babe, are you going to go in for that surgery? Hey, are you going to go in for the snip snip? I don't want to be a nagging wife, but, you know, I'm trying. And then one night I had a dream that I got pregnant, and in my dream, 
I was so livid at Judah. I woke up and I thought, I do not, I mean, we have a good marriage, but what if it couldn't survive another pregnancy? Like, I will be so angry at him. So I took matters into my own hand, and this is what I did. I called my doctor and said, hey, um, can you, can I please have an appointment to get my tubes tied? Now, if you don't know and you're single, here's the deal. A snip snip for a guy, it's like a 20-minute procedure and a day and a half recovery. They're going to bleed it out and tell you it's a three-day recovery, but trust me, it's a day and a half recovery. <laughs> now, for a woman to get her tubes tied, it's a major surgery. It's a whole ordeal. It is genuinely a week-long recovery. So this is what I did. I said, okay, babe, so I have an appointment scheduled like two weeks from now um, to get my tubes tied. So either you can go get the snip-snip before then, and or I'm going to have the surgery. Now, here's the thing. If I have the surgery, that means I'm going to be on paid meds for a week. That means you're going to have to take care of the kids, and that is all yours, and I get to sit and watch TV shows for a whole week. It sounded pretty good for me. But it was amazing how once Judah had the either-or scenario in front of him, within, I'm not exaggerating, three days, he was at the doctor, got the little snip-snip, and thank God we have not had any children since. So, an either-or scenario, right? You're either going to do this or you're going to do that. There's only two options in an either-or scenario. And I love it here. Paul makes it so clear. He says it three times over. You are either going to listen to what sin tells you to do or you are going to listen to what Jesus tells you to do. There actually is no middle ground. And maybe you heard a night thinking, and yeah, there's some yeahs from the front row, but maybe you're in the back and you're like, well, you know what, Chels? I think you're kind of exaggerating that point a little bit because I feel like I've done some things just because I felt like doing them and they were fine. I wasn't listening to Jesus, but I wasn't listening to sin either. I was just doing what I felt like doing. And I am so glad you were thinking that. And I'm so glad you are asking that question because that leads us to two pictures that we are going to look, look at that really illustrate this truth that you are never going to be independent. You're either going to listen to sin or you're going to listen to Jesus. So first of all, um, let's read Romans chapter 6 and verse 19. And again, we'll read it in the message because it paints us such a beautiful picture. And here we're going to see these pictures. He says this, I'm using this freedom language because it's easy to picture you can readily recall, can't you, how at one time, the more you did just what you felt like doing, not caring about others, not caring about God, the worse your life became and the less freedom you had? And how much different is it now as you live in God's freedom, your lives healed and expansive in holiness? And here's where we're getting our two pictures from. But first, we need to define sin. Because sin is a word that's used so often in Christianity or even in the world. And I think when we think about sin, we think about murdering somebody. But truthfully, the definition of sin in the Bible is simply this. It means missing the mark. It means missing the mark of the plan that God has for you. And do you know that every person in here, God designed you and he created with you with his intelligent design he planned every detail of who you are and along with the design that he made for you he he just he has this plan for you that's so good and so amazing it's like a present he wants you to unwrap every day 
But sin is thinking, ah, I think I know better than God. And the real practical definition of sin, I love it here in Romans, which says, ah, just doing what you feel like doing, not caring about God, not caring about others, just living your life, doing what you feel like doing. So let's look at that for a second. What does a life look like living, doing what you feel like doing? As I mentioned, I felt like in college, I had like a brief moment of a middle state of independence. And I may or may not have experienced a semester of college that resembles the fictional version I'm about to give you. So imagine here, you go to college, you're so excited, you're out of your mom and dad's house, you're like, I can, yes, I can finally do everything I've ever wanted to do. So you get to college and you're there for the first week and you go to your classes and you're like, huh, those classes are really boring. I don't feel like going to class. Why? Because you are free to do whatever you feel like doing. You have made it. You are independent. You can do what you feel like. So what do you do? You don't go to classes. Let's be honest. Who really feels like going to college classes? Maybe I didn't for a semester. So you stop going to college. You start, you dish a class here. You dish one there. And then you realize you never start going to college. You never go to class anymore. So what happens? You get a nice little letter from the school saying, you are no longer able to be a student here at such and such university. Please dismiss yourself at the end of this semester. But you know what the worst part is? This school still ex expects you to pay for the classes you never went to, which personally, I think that's a little unfair. So here you are, and you started out right with so much freedom. I can do whatever I want to do. And now you feel like, okay, I'm free, but shoot. I have to pay for this college, and I have to get some food and find a place to live, so shoot. That means I need a job. And because you didn't finish college, your options have lessened because you don't have your college degree, right? So, but you can still get a job. You've got, you've got a good referral out there. Your mom wrote a nice little note about you, and so did your high school science teacher. And so you go out there and you get a job, but then all of a sudden you realize, I don't like this job. I don't feel like going to work today. I would rather sleep in and watch Netflix. That's what I feel like doing today. So crazy, you do that enough, guess what happens? You get it, you no longer have a job, right? And so then, you know, with our fictitious scenario, so then you no longer have a job. Well, now you realize you still need a job because you still have to pay for the college bill and you still have to feed yourself and put a shelter over your head. But now, because you, you got fired from your last job. You don't have a good job recommendation from that job. So now your options for a job are even more limited than they were last time. And the truth is, if we continue to live our life just doing what we feel like doing, I mean, can you imagine truly if every day you only did what you felt like doing? Most of us have the good sense to not do that. We know how to work the principles a little bit better than that. But the, if, if you take it to the extreme, that's what help us, helps us to see the truth of it, right? I mean, the truth is, you, if you play that scenario out, eventually the only place you're going to end up is prison, where you truly have no freedom. Your life, it started out so broad with all your options open, but it has gotten smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And there we have our picture of sin, which is living our life, just doing what, we feel, what we're feeling, but all of a sudden our lives just get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. In fact, let's read it again. What was that sentence in verse 19 from the message? Not caring about others, not caring about God, the worse your life became and the less 
freedom you had. If we just live our life obeying sin, the truth is in one way or the other, our lives are going to just get smaller and we're going to have less and less options to where all of a sudden you feel so tight and so claustrophobic and feel like I don't know where to go and I don't know how to get out of this. And maybe you walked in here tonight and you'd say, Chelsea, that is exactly how I feel. Can I encourage you that there is no place that is too tight, there is no prison that is too small, that Jesus doesn't already have a plan to get you out of that tight place. There is never hopelessness, you are never too far away. And so if you feel tight tonight and you feel like life is closing you in, can I encourage you, Jesus sees you, he is with you, and he's just waiting for you to ask, and he will help you find a way out. And so that is life, listening to sin tell us what to do. So how about the other picture? What's our second picture? The second picture is living a life of God telling us what to do. You know, with Jesus, I'll be honest with you, it is the opposite of the picture we just described. What was we just described starts out broad, ends up narrow. I'll be really honest with you. Following Jesus, it starts off narrow, but it ends up broad. Chels, how does it start out, start out narrow? Well, I'll tell you first of all, what did Jesus say? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. And you think, well, Jesus, that's kind of narrow-minded in the day we're living in. You're saying that you are the only one way to get to God? I mean, that feels tight and uncomfortable, right? But the thing is, is that that tightness and that discomfort leads you to a place of freedom and forgiveness like you couldn't even imagine. Starts narrow, ends broad. Or what about, what about this one? God says, you know what my plan for your sexuality is that you would have sex with your spouse and only your spouse for as long as the two of you should live. Okay, that felt really narrow and really tight and really uncomfortable, God, because I like my options and I don't like to be told what to do. And here, God, you're saying your plan for my sex life is one person for the rest of our lives? That feels a little narrow, Jesus. And I'm with you. That could feel very narrow. But do you know that God's plan for you in that is that, man, that you would trust him with his way for your sexuality and your heart would heal and maybe all those broken and fragmented pieces that have gotten left in so many places that God would begin to put them back together and you would have a spouse. And man, can I tell you, sex within the confines of I've totally given you my heart, we're intimate on a soul level, on a spirit level, and a physical level. It is broad and it is free. And I work with my spouse, so we are together 24 hours a day. That's some serious freedom right there. It started off narrow, but whew, it ended up broad. Or what about the fact... Thank you for the three claps. I appreciate it. What about the fact that God says, oh, and by the way, you need to forgive other people the way I've forgiven you. Well, how has Jesus forgiven us? It says, as far as the east is from the west, God has removed our sin from us. He doesn't even remember it anymore. God doesn't look at you and hold your wrongdoings against you. God looks at you and he sees perfection. 
and you say, God, you're telling me I need to forgive other people that way? You don't understand how much this person hurt me. And can I tell you, probably the only person who really does understand is Jesus because he was right there with you the whole time you were being hurt and victimized, and he was choosing to feel that pain alongside of you. And Jesus says, you need to forgive. And, oh, that feels tight. That feels uncomfortable because there is such a comfort of holding on to bitterness and holding on to unforgiveness. And, ah, you just get to, at least you know that you have that, right? And it feels so scary to let it go. And you think, well, maybe this person will never be punished if I don't hold it against them. But Jesus says, forgive. And do you know what happens once you go through that narrow, uncomfortable space of forgiveness and forgiving the way Jesus forgives. It leads you into a wide open space. And in this wide open space, you no longer have bitterness. You no longer have that record and that memory that's hurting you time after time after time. That record stops playing in your head. And so for the first time, you can be free from that act that was done towards you that was wrong and hurtful. I'll be honest with you, it is uncomfortable to forgive. But do you know that that one way of forgiveness is the only way to truly experience freedom? You know, since we're just on topic of things that start narrow and uncomfortable and end up large, how about this one? How about the fact that sometimes God says to us, hey, I want you to befriend somebody who doesn't look like you. And if you're really honest in your answer with God, it's like, oh, but I kind of have my three friends and we all have similar backgrounds. And so that's really comfortable. I'm not so comfortable befriending people who don't look like me. And maybe you kind of step out on that and you start that and it, and it might feel a little uncomfortable and a little, and a little tight. But do you know what's on the other side of that? a beautiful world of understanding and cultures and friends that you never could have had unless you walked through that uncomfortable season of befriending somebody who doesn't look like you. God's plan for our lives is that even though things may start small and tight, they end up wide and expansive. And can you imagine if you lived your life following Jesus and even when it felt uncomfortable and you didn't understand, you thought, okay, God, here I am. I'm, I'm, I'm going to trust you. This is uncomfortable, but I'm going to try this. Do you know what I love about being 40? Lots of things. But one of the most amazing things about being 40 is having some wins behind me. I've had seasons of life where I felt like, God, this is uncomfortable. This is narrow. I don't like this, are you sure? But sure enough, every time I followed God, do you know what was on the other side? Freedom, expansiveness, healing, relationships that I never could have imagined. Always, time and time again, God has proven himself faithful. You know, I even think about the time when we had done a few Bible studies at Jason's house, and that was fun because we could do it when we wanted to do. You know, it still felt like we had some freedom there. And then we felt like God was saying, hey, we want you to come and start church in L.A. every single week. And Judah had kind of mentioned that, and I was like, whew, every week? 
that feels a little narrow, God. It feels especially narrow because if we're going to do that, we have three kids. That means they're going to homeschool, which I never wanted to be a homeschool mom. And we're going to have to drag three kids on an airplane twice a week. God, that feels very tight and extremely uncomfortable. But do you know what that has led to? Some of the greatest relationships we could we could have ever imagined in this life, in this beautiful, incredible community that has been built. What is that? It's, oh, it might start off narrow and tight, but boy, it ends up expansive. And you know, I think the best part of this, and now, Elijah, I can have some mood music. It'll make us feel better. (laughs) You know, I think the best part of this Give it up for Elijah. How great is he? Is that the more wins we get behind us, the more courage we have. And through there we find it really can be a delight to being told what to do. To relinquish control of our lives and say, okay, God, you know me better than I know myself. You know the end of my life to the beginning of my life. And I am going to trust you, even when I don't see, and even if it initially feels tight and uncomfortable, God, you've proven yourself faithful enough times to me that I know it's always going to lead to an expansive place of freedom and wholeness. And that's the God we serve. But actually, that's like the second best part. The very, very best part is that God not only leads us in telling us what to do, he also gives us the strength and the ability to follow through with it. Because the truth is, if I just ended the sermon right here, I'd be like, okay, lots of willpower. Everybody discipline yourselves to go through something uncomfortable, but you'll get something good about it. And a few disciplined people would survive. The rest of us would last for like three days. But here's the really good news. The Jesus who we're following, and this is where the delight comes from. He helps us to do what he's asked us to do. I love the verse in Psalms 103 that says this, God, he sees our frame and he remembers that we are dust. In other words, he doesn't expect us to have all the strength and all the courage and all the everything all on our own to follow him. You know, I love another verse in Romans chapter eight. It says this, for when we're weak, The Spirit of Jesus, this Holy Spirit himself, from the inside, he helps us in our weakness, and he changes us from the inside out. And if that wasn't enough, I love this. In Hebrews, it talks about our God who we're following. It says that Jesus is right now, this very moment, at the right hand of the Father, and he is making intercession for us. Intercession is a fancy word of saying praying. That right now, God is up there and he's so amazing. I don't know how he does it, but he is standing next to the Father and together they're saying, oh man, Sheila, she's gonna do it. Hey, let's, let's help her do it. Let's give her more strength. Let's give her more courage. Let's give her more insight. Hey, you see Justin down here. He knows that you need us right now. And he prays for us and gives us strength to do what he asks us to do. So he comes before us and behind us. And once we realize that, we can find such an incredible delight of listening to God tell us what to do. Can you believe that for your life? I think I think that sounds like a way to follow Jesus and answer that call to say, okay, Jesus, I'll go with you. But can I pray for you as we dismiss here? And the worship team's gonna come up and 
we're going to close and just taking a few moments to let God speak, speak to us. Maybe there are some things that he wants to nudge us on. But if you wouldn't mind just bowing your heads here for a moment so that every person can have a private moment. If you're in here and you'd say, Chels, great talk. I love listening to you. But the truth is, I don't think I know Jesus the way you know him. I don't think I know him on a personal, real level. And I would like to know him better. And that doesn't mean you understand all that that means. But you would say, I would like to know what it's like to know Jesus and to follow him and to trust him. On the count of three, I'm going to count to three, and I'd love to ask you to lift up your hand. And the truth is, I don't need you to raise your hand, but you're going to know for sure. On that night, I raised my hand and chose to follow Jesus and say, I want to get to know you. So that's you. I'm just going to count to three, and you can raise your hand. One, two, three. Hands up everywhere. Beautiful. Awesome. Thank you. Wonderful. Let me pray for you who've raised your hand. Jesus, I know that you see every hand that was raised. And God, I know that you know everything that is happening in every individual's hearts and lives right now. And Jesus, I pray that you would overwhelm them with your love, assure them of your forgiveness, and let them know how much you love them. And Jesus, I pray that they would feel that sense of freedom, even right now, starting tonight. Let every person begin to feel a new level of freedom. And Jesus, I pray for all of us who in here, maybe following you has become a duty. Jesus, I pray that it would become a delight. Lord, I pray that you would give us the strength that we need during those tight, uncomfortable times. Lord, help us to continue to follow you. Help us to trust you, even when we don't see the end that you have in mind. Jesus, I pray for the plans and the futures of every person. Lord, give us the strength and the courage that we need to join with you on this incredible journey of life. In Jesus' name, amen.